we live in an instant gratification, instant everything. We want instant coffee, instant food, instant everything. Your financial strategy isn't a microwave. <laughs> it takes time. At the end of the day, you're going to need the use of money for the rest of your lifetime, regardless of your values, regardless of your objectives, regardless of your end game, you're going to need the use of money for the rest of your lifetime. And that money has to reside somewhere. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. All right, everybody. I have a very, very special guest. If you can't tell, I'm very excited. The one and only J-Lo, or some of you guys know him as Jason Lowe, or some of you guys know him as the crazy Canadian that loves life insurance, infinite banking, helping you take back control. Thank you for coming back on. And I got a really, really special gift slash like announcement. I'm going to let you say hi, and then I'm going to totally spoil this whole podcast. We're going to talk about the new project we're working on. That sounds good. Thank you, Caleb. And to all your listeners worldwide, it's a pleasure to be with you again. I think last time we were on, you are like, Caleb, get your seatbelt ready. Buckle up. <laughs> Your life is never going to be the same. I really do admire you so much. I shared this when I came on your guys' show, which you guys have a phenomenal podcast as well. And I remember the first time we met and I'm like sitting, it was in Birmingham, yeah. Infinite Banking Conference. You get up and speak. And Jason, you were so passionate. You were so fired up. You were so articulate. But I remember exactly what the call to action was. You had us write a letter. You remember this? Yep. You had us write a letter of gratitude to R. Nelson Nash, who was still alive at the time. That's right. Explaining to him the gratitude and ultimately just thanking him for the impact that he's had. I remember that and I've heard a lot of good talks and a lot of great speakers, but that like was very much cemented in my brain. And I remember going up to you after and just thanking you and didn't think much of it, but I was like, man, I like thank you for being so passionate. I didn't know anything about Canada and didn't really have anyone in my world because I wasn't even seeing anyone in the States because I was just trying to build my business. Yeah. And Greg Helema, who was helped me co-found Better Wealth, was Canadian, but lived in the States. And so I worked with him, but he had family back home. And I remember when we were talking, we were like, okay, it's a little bit different, but the concept's the same. Like, who do I know? And you popped in my head. And I'm so grateful that we reconnected. And from there, we got to meet in person. I've been to Canada twice now seeing you. And we've gotten to work on some things. And I've started, I probably referred you, I don't want to over-exaggerate, over 50 people. Oh, yeah. Probably even more than that. I'm just like yeah. people that got my book, The And Asset, and they're like, Caleb, like, I don't live in the States. Like, who do you recommend? And it's like, boom, boom, boom. So we started talking. We're like, okay, there's some differences. Yeah. But like, why don't we just like be able to write a book and like make it for the people in Canada and share that with them all the ins and outs so that you don't have to reteach them things that are different in the States. Yeah. And I'm also super grateful because you're a dear friend and the thought that my name gets to be a part of your name on a book is a true honor. And so with that super long introduction, man, I want to give people a context of what's to come. If you are listening to this podcast, the and Asset for Canadians, a book that has been written for our Canadian brother and sisters, and also has some new content, like it has your story, yeah. and it has some other things, is ready for prime time, ladies and gentlemen. And you can go to andasset.ca. That's andasset.ca. If you're in Canada, this is no brainer. Like you go get it. 
And if you're in the States, we'll have to figure out a way to get you books because, you know, it's for those of you that are diehard fans, you should definitely have an Andesit for Canadian copy. So, man, talk about a little bit of that. I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I want to give people context of like what has happened since you've come into our world and since you've come on the podcast, a lot's happened. It's not like a one meeting went well, like we've had a <laughs> friendship that has grown ups and downs. And I'm just so grateful to be in your life. Oh, likewise. And, you know, I'll share with your listeners, you know, the one thing that started to come up repeatedly because you were on a bit of a speaking circuit at that time yeah. and you were actively talking to live audiences across your country and people were approaching you saying, hey, I'm here, but I'm from Canada. And you were gracious enough and we are very grateful and just honored that you thought well enough of us to say, hey, there's a group up in Canada, get together with Jason, he'll connect you with the right person on his team to help you understand how to implement this in your country. And then you and I started connecting on a weekly basis. So every Wednesday morning, we have a chance to talk about the previous week, what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our businesses, how our teammates are doing. And we decided, we said, look, why don't we put a Canadian stamp on the book? And we took all of your amazing work, the blueprint for the house, and we just made the house align with Canadian architectural guidelines. <laughs> That's really what we did. And, but it was a lot of work because, you know, you have to coordinate so many people and uh, to get the, all the good work done, but we're here. And for all of your American listeners, if you know someone, connect with someone, follow someone, network with someone who's Canadian, they just popped into your mind, ease on over to endasset.ca, get them a copy of the book. They'll be glad you did. And so this project is really built upon the foundation of the great work that you've done already. And it's really just an extension into another country that just happens to have some different rules, some different regulations, different anatomy of how we go about implementing the process. And it's not a huge difference, but they are subtle. They are there. And so, so many Canadians were asking, where do we get the Canadian version of the book? And we said, well, being you being your greatest asset doesn't recognize any borders, but we are working on it. <laughs> and here we are. It's done. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be able to uh, to be able to share this with each other and to get a, the message out there to Canadians coast to coast. Jason, you open up the book with your story. And quite frankly, man, like we could talk all about the cool strategies and tactics, but let's go back to your why and why this is personal for you and talk about that because I think that's a really good foundation to then build on, on like why the ANDAS for Canadians and why people should read this book. Oh boy. Well, you know, I'll take you back. I'm going to age myself a little bit. I'm 46 years young and I was born and raised in a small mining and forestry community in Timmins, Ontario. And when I was growing up, I had nobody mentor me about money. I was just witnessed to my parents arguing about money. So I had exposure to money, but not in a productive way. There was nobody there to mentor me, to talk to me about how to handle money, how to grow it, multiply it, more importantly, how to keep it. And it was very rough for me because watching my parents fight about something that I knew nothing about as a toddler was a very painful experience. And it taught me what I know now, because I'll share with you, if they had access to the end asset, if they had access to that advice, things may have turned out differently. And so 
my childhood was an incredibly big influence on what I've evolved into along with everyone who's mentored me along the way. And sadly, both my parents passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, and they didn't have the opportunity to learn and to understand what we talk about in the end asset. And I'll tell you, if I could go back in time, I would change that, but I can't. All I can do is have a positive influence on my children, on my extended family, who have all implemented this process. And the past 13 years has been transformational for me. When my parents passed away, and I'm very open about sharing this, I was born and raised Catholic. And when my parents passed away, my faith was challenged. I was angry, used the Lord's name in vain. And I'm going to answer for that someday, but I repented and I will share with you, my faith was tested and I didn't understand why. Why were they taken away from me so early in life? And as I started to have children, I was extremely emotional. And my wife sat down with me one day and she said, Jason, you need to talk to somebody. And the people who are close to me in my community, in my circle, are all believers, all of them. That's not a coincidence. And for me, I lean into that. I rely upon that for stability, for balance, for getting, making sure that my ego stays in check and all of those things that just really don't matter. Everything begins and ends with family. And so I went and talked to a grief counselor. It was one of the best things that I've ever done. And so for any of your listeners, if you've experienced loss and you did what I did and you took all that pain and that grief and you tried to shove it into a filing cabinet up in your brain and toss away the key and forget about it. I promise you, it's going to eat away at you. And if you seek the counsel, if you go and get grief counseling, I promise you it'll be one of the best things that you've ever done. And I have to share with your listeners, Caleb, one of the most important exercises that my grief counselor led me through, which I'm eternally grateful for. He sat me down and he said, Jason, I want you to write a letter to your mom and dad, and I want you to express everything that you would have said to them if you knew that it was the last time you were going to be speaking with them. So I took a few weeks to think it through and I wrote the letters. I shared with my grief counselor, I said, I'm done, I'm all done. And he said, no, you're not. You're gonna invite your family to your next grief counseling session and you're gonna read those letters. And I did that and it was like a tsunami of emotion. And I'll never forget it. My grief counselor leaned into me and he asked, he said, how are you holding up? And I said, I just feel drained. And he said, Listen, Jason, when you feel the emotion, allow yourself to feel it. Everything that you've been bottling up is rising to the surface now. So just let yourself feel it. And it just brought back all those memories. There are couples, Caleb, that are arguing right now during this podcast about money. There are wedges being driven into families and businesses, and it's all because of money. And what we do, the work that we do to be of service to others to help them realize that they are their best asset. They just need the knowledge, but knowledge doesn't equal understanding. You've got to do something with it. And so the book serves not only as motivation to understand that there is a better way, it's also a tool. It's a tool for people to start taking action. And that is my why. You can see over my left shoulder that I'm reminded to always remember my why. And it's to be of service to others and to help them find a better way. Because I don't want anyone to go through what I went through in my childhood as it related to just watching my parents fight about money all the time. First of all, man, I want people to understand the reason I'm working with Jason 
is for that story and how that you embody that and everything that you do. We open up the end asset for Canadians with these the same chapter modified slightly that I open up the end asset book and it, it has everything to do with your why. What's interesting is you take this financial freedom and so many people have their twist on it and it's good. And even the and asset itself, you guys can get in the way of what really matters. But what I want people to imagine, and you actually, you have a picture a day when financial control is in your hands, not the banks and government and the risky stock market. I want people to really take the time to get crystal clear on what is important and then ask yourself, what does financial freedom or what does financial independence actually mean? And if it doesn't include your fundamental why, start asking some more questions, start asking why to that. And, and the reason I say that is a lot of people will get in debates with us, Jason. A lot of people will talk about metrics and talk about strategies, but I just feel like people are just talking over each other. Yeah, and They're not talking at the core of what really matters. The reason I bring this up is I want you to touch on that. You've served hundreds, if not thousands of people personally. And the more and more you spend time with people, you're realizing it's, it has very little to do with the tactic and more to do with the heart and mindset. Can you unpack that? Absolutely. You know, I would say to your listeners, ask yourself, what are you seeking freedom from? And so if you're looking for financial freedom, from what? It's from and to. I'm seeking freedom from being overscheduled to being able to operate in my unique ability, to do the things that fascinate me and bring me energy. Okay, that's pretty clear. I'm seeking financial freedom. What exactly does that mean? Because it's not about the number in the bank account. I can promise you from firsthand experience, making a multi-seven-figure income or being a multi-millionaire doesn't make you happy. It just doesn't. I can tell you that from firsthand experience. I'm living proof of that. What makes me happy isn't the money. What makes me happy is the freedom from and to. I seek more freedom of time, purpose, relationship, and money. And freedom of time means not being as overscheduled, having the right who's in place to get the house done, to free me up. And that enables me to be a better husband, to be a better friend, to be a better brother, to be better in my community. It's all those things that many people set aside as ancillary that they need to bring front and center. Think about all the people that are closest to you in your life. Is the ultimate financial freedom, if all, all it is is about money, what about the connection? What about the relationships in your life? The people that you love that you're closest to, you're not going to be at their funeral someday saying, gosh, I wish I would have spent less time with this person. And wow, they just happened to die at the perfect time. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work out that way. You've got to get clear on what's truly, truly important to you. And if you genuinely provide great service and great value to other people, and you help them by actually helping them, that creates goodwill. And through that goodwill comes financial abundance. And what you do in being a good steward with that financial abundance, my hope is, is that it doesn't include taking pictures in front of Lamborghinis and Gulfstream jets and doing things that, frankly, if you'll allow me to say, Caleb, nobody gives a crap about. But when you're able to take, like we do, 50% of our profit pool every quarter and bless other people's lives in a positive way, that gives you a life filled with abundance and fulfillment. And it motivates you to create more of that abundance and fulfillment. Not so you can go buy the Bentley, but so that you can pay the medical bills for somebody who's not going to survive another two months without it. 
and you've gifted them and blessed them with another year with their loved ones. That's fulfillment. So good, man. I think a piece of gratitude that I have is just in our weekly meetings, just really starting out with gratitude, number one, because we don't do that enough. But then also just being around other people that I'll say are more experienced, i.e. are older, that encourage me to be like, listen, lean into the things that really matter. Yeah. So Jason, we're going to jump into the book. Okay. I want to ask you this. I've done hundreds of interviews. People ask me questions all the time, and I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut, which is (laughs) not always easy. I want to ask you, what were some of the key concepts that you liked about the and asset and like why you wanted so strongly to be, uh, have a Canadian version? Like, what were some of the reminders that you had in, in reading this book and, and why you wanted to be able to be an ambassador and share this message in Canada? Control and uninterrupted compounding, the ultimate simplicity in how you went about explaining that. People truly resonate with that message because control can really create fear for people. Well, I thought that I had to rely upon someone else to create the financial abundance and lifestyle that I deserve today. You have the ability to take control and to truly put yourself in the driver's seat. And so for me, that was the overwhelming message that came across loud and clear to me in the book. And I thought, my goodness, what a great way and a simple way to explain that to people. And the importance of recognizing that if there's an absence of control, then you may be penalizing yourself without even knowing it. And the difference between your listeners staying stressed or getting relaxed financially (laughs) is making sure that they apply the concept outlined in this book. (laughs) And so for me, that's the key thing. Control, uninterrupted compounding. Those were the two key points that resonated with me in the book. When someone says, Jason, explain compound interest to me, uninterrupted compounding, it sounds great. Like, how do you explain compounding for someone who may or may not understand it? Oh, goodness. I always begin with asking if they believe in it. (laughs) Do you believe in compound interest? Well, I think I do. Okay. Well, if you think about most commonly the institutions that you would believe are using it are not. The most frequent response that we get is, well, I believe in it. Okay. Well, name a business that uses it. Well, banks do. They don't use compound interest, they either pay it or they charge it. This is all a function of where the money, the financial energy is, I refer to it as, courtesy of the late R. Nelson Nash, who I was blessed beyond the definition of good fortune to be mentored by for so many years. He used to ask that, where is the financial energy flowing to? If it's flowing to another institution, if it's flowing away from your family, away from your business, then you have permanently interrupted the compounding factor on your money. You can't earn interest on it again. You can't use it again. You've transferred it away. And so if you understand how to implement this process and you can have the financial energy flowing back to your family and business versus away, how much of that energy would you want flowing away? (laughs) Well, the simple answer is none. I mean, we all understand. We've all heard the example, a penny doubling every single day. And after 30 plus days, you've got 10.7 plus million or whatever the answer is. That's, again, going back to the money, the dollars, the pennies. We're talking about the energy. What can you do with more financial energy in your life? You can be of service to other people and you can achieve everything that you want to achieve. Do you know, Caleb, and you've heard me say this a million times, but your listeners may have not. There's no such thing as an unrealistic goal, only unrealistic timelines. And so we live in an instant gratification instant everything. We want instant coffee, instant food, instant everything. Your financial strategy isn't a microwave. (laughs) 
it takes time. That's you got to get it done incrementally over a period of time. But when they read that section in the book, I promise will be an aha light bulb moment for people. There's so many things. When I think of compounding, I very much think of the future value of something. And a mm. word that really comes up is consistency. Most mm. people aren't consistent with anything. No. An example we use in the book is highway versus city gas mileage. And it's interesting. At the time of this recording, United States has gas crunches right now. And when you're looking at a car, if you would just think, it's like, what gets better gas mileage? Like going 70 miles an hour, or I don't know what you guys use for metric. Kilometers. Which may be fast, tells your audience how uneducated I am when it comes to that. That or going through the city, you would almost think you're like, oh, probably you'd burn more gas going fast because it's like, you know, that's what we would think if we didn't put a lot of thought into it. But actually, when you look at it, like, why does highway have a better gas mileage versus mm. the city? It's because the city drivers are stopping and starting. Right. Stopping and starting. Every time you stop and start, when it comes to our wealth, you're restarting the quote unquote, eighth wonder compounding and lifetime compounding. And that has big time efficiency drains. Nelson in his book talks about an airplane taking off, right? It's like, where do you burn most of the energy? It's getting off the ground. But then when you create that consistency in the air, it's a really remarkable thing. And I want that concept to think in it's like this at the end of the day, we're talking about efficiency. The only way that you can be efficient if you go back to know where you want to go all the time and energy you mentioned multiple times i really appreciate how you communicated that your time energy your specialized knowledge your money all needs to be working in an efficient way to make that dream a reality and so uh, thank you for that i also want to point out another thing that has just struck me really really strongly in this interview we talk about picture a day when financial control is in your hands okay think about the three institutions that are crushing people right now. And by all means, I don't think that they're quote unquote evil. I think there's something that we can learn by them. But right. you look at the banks, you look at the government and you look at the stock market. Okay. They're telling us all to do things. The government is incentivizing certain behavior with our money. The banks are incentivizing certain behavior with our money. The market is, is incentivizing certain things with our money. But what are they doing? How are they making a profit? Are they <laughs> taking their own advice? Or are they <laughs> taking this dirty little word called control? And are they controlling the money? Mm -hmm. And I just like, again, it's like, we are literally being like, oh, we're going to listen to what these people say because there's credibility. And they're saying, oh, we're doing the exact opposite of what you're telling, but keep on doing that because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to do our thing. That's right. Those institutions want to gain control over the use of your money. And so think about at any point in your lifetime when you've lost money. I would wager, and I'm not a betting man, but I would wager that it likely had something to do with you handing control of that money over to someone else who thought they could do better with it than you. And if you process all of the money, take a calculator, calculate all the money that's flowed through your hands up to this point in your lifetime. And Caleb, I'm talking about everything, everything that you have spent money on. And when you come up with that number, if you can't write someone a check for that amount of money, you have an opportunity. And nobody that I've ever met with can, because it all involved, every one of those transactions involved a permanent transfer of that money away from you. And you're taking that financial energy and depositing it into someone else's system. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can take control of this vital function as it relates to your needs, whether it's personally, business, both. You just have to understand how. And once you understand how, 
you will immediately recognize that it is the ultimate in simplicity. I want that last thing to sink in. So if you have to go take two minutes and backtrack and re-listen to that, please do. Jason, I want to talk about a couple things, but as it relates to control, serve hundreds of people, if not thousands. And you probably have some fun stories about how people have used control and profited. And, and we use in this book, the example of what is the rate of return of a golf club? Now, I've never golfed with you, but I, I don't think you're making a lot of money playing golf and sponsorship deals. And I know I'm not. No. <laughs> I enjoy being out in God's uh, creation, but I'm yeah. not winning any prizes playing golf. And so it's like a golf club, well, it's not worth that much to me. But if your name's Phil Mickelson, that golf club allowed you to be a multimillionaire, not just by playing golf, but he's leveraged that thing to win other sponsorship deals. And so Good when point. people say, oh, this concept of the and asset and control, it's a scam and all like, all right, maybe you're a scam because like maybe control's not that valuable to you. And maybe we need to go back to your mindset. Talk right. about some examples of the people that have publicly shared on your show ways that they've taken this thing called control and changed their life. Oh boy, I have got countless examples to share. One that comes to mind, uh, which was most recent on our client series. So on our podcast, Wealth Without Bay Street, we interview existing clients and we named it our client series and they share their stories. They talk about their journey. And we had a guest recently, his name's Dave Klein. He's a police officer. He began practicing this process eight years ago. And when he started this journey, he thought, this is going to take me an incredibly long time. I don't know how long, but I'm really of the belief that it's going to take a really long time for me to really be in a position of total control. Well, fast forward seven years into his journey, they have purchased two vehicles that they own free and clear through this process. All of the financial energy came back to their system versus flowing away. They have taken care of the mortgage on their principal residence. They got rid of the snakes and dragons in their lives. They've since acquired some rental real estate, and they were able to do this because they had ready access capital to take advantage of opportunity that tracked them down. And so if you're able to build what we refer to as an aquarium, your own personal aquarium of capital, and you get to seize opportunity and be in a position of total control as it relates to that opportunity without interrupting any of the daily growth in your own aquarium of capital, how much money would you want flowing away? And so Dave grasped that. And he got very ambitious when he started to see that he was building the premise. Hey, I can do this. And it started small. A vehicle, then another vehicle, then their principal residence, now rental real estate. And all that financial energy is flowing back to their family, not flowing away. And when you create, I know, Caleb, as you described in the end asset, when you talk about the, you know, the, the master account and you know, how, how you put that together and what we're describing here is something where there are no exceptions. Someone has to perform the function of banking in your life as it relates to your needs. You either pay interest to someone else to access their pile of money, or you give up the opportunity permanently to earn interest on your own capital. There are no exceptions. There just are no exceptions. And so people can talk about different financial products and where you should put your money and all of this sort of financial noise that we hear out there in the world. We're not addressing that. This is a process. We're not addressing the yield of an investment. We're not addressing which financial product a person should own or not own. We're talking about how you go about financing everything in your life, which can certainly include 
those financial products and investments and other places to flow money. I think the question to ask yourself, the most important question to ask yourself is who is performing the banking function in your life today? If it's someone else and you haven't read this book, the Canadian or American version, then you have an opportunity because someone must perform this function and it should be you. Isn't that good? It's incredible, man. And andasset.ca, grab your copy of the andasset. There's countless examples of the power of access to capital. We were talking before hitting record about the importance of the golden rule. Yeah. Nelson articulates this so well. The golden rule is those who have the gold make the rules. And it's just another example of like, oh, I just read the other day that Warren Buffett is sitting on 145 billion, Jason, billion with a B yeah. of cash. And it's like, okay, why? So it's like, there might be an opportunity for him in the next couple of years to pounce, right? Yeah. What we're able to do is we're able to have the access to capital and have the luxury of our dollars working for us the rest of our life. And I think for me, everything changed when I realized that we're asking the wrong questions. Right. We're having or conversations. And when I could help people take a step back and say, listen, you don't have to choose anymore. Then people are like, oh, I, I get it. That has been a game changer in our practice and our business. It's just been fun to see that. And it's been fun to see other people take the message and help people take back control. And I'm, if I could do a fraction of what the people that came before me did, I'm making the world better off. And I'm just super grateful for the opportunity to even be on here with you sharing this message. So Jason, I know our time is coming up. It Time flies. <laughs> what else do you want to communicate in this book, in your business and what you're up to in the world? Because you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot of people struggle, but you've also seen a lot of people just create massive financial success and yeah. are winning. And I think that winning is contagious. I want that to come through in the way that you speak. Thank you. Well, I would share with your listeners that, look, at the end of the day, you're going to need the use of money for the rest of your lifetime, regardless of your values, regardless of your objectives, regardless of your end game, you're going to need the use of money for the rest of your lifetime. And that money has to reside somewhere. And I haven't had a single client call me in 13 years to say, I'm really upset that my cash values keep rising every single day in my program. It's really frustrating me or bothering me. And so recognizing the fundamental truth that your money must reside somewhere is so paramount. And the other thing that is important is to recognize who is in your circle. Who are you being influenced by? Not only financially, but in every area of your life. If you're in a group of six, and five of them are millionaires, odds are <laughs> you're going to become the sixth millionaire. Yep. If you're surrounded by five other people who have incredibly strong family values, very ambitious, want to be in service of others, odds are you're going to end up being the sixth person that wants to be of service to others and develop ambition and pursue your dreams and goals. If you're surrounded by five other people who are idiots, odds are you're going to become the sixth idiot. And so really take time to take stock. If you're going to do a spring cleaning, as we all do every year, spring clean your social circles too. Yeah. And whatever it is that you want to achieve, find someone who's already doing it. Yeah. And this is not cliche. It's not a platitude. This is the absolute truth. You and I are living proof of that, Caleb. We are the sum parts of everyone who has mentored us and who continues to mentor us. Yeah. So find the people who are achieving what you want to set out to achieve yep, and yep. be of service to them and be coachable 
And so recognize that nothing is impossible. It really isn't. And regardless of what stage you're at in life, regardless of your age, regardless of what's going on in your world, there is a better way. The end asset. So ease on over to theendasset.ca. Again, that's endasset.ca. Get your hands on a copy of the book. Our hope is, is that you receive inspiration to learn something new. Yep. Here's the key, Caleb. I'll leave you with this. There's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge. If any listener believes that they have arrived in knowledge, meaning they've learned everything there is to know and they cannot be taught anything new, it's all downhill from here. If you want it to be all uphill and abundant and prosperous from here, receive that inspiration. Get your hands on the book. Reach out, connect with the right person on Caleb's team, the right person on my team, and you'll be surrounded by people who are going to be an inspiration to you. You don't have to be a lone ranger financially in your life. So regardless of where you are, get off of your butt and make the change. There's a better way. It's, it's amazing. The way that I end all my podcasts, since this is part two, the second episode. So we're going to have to compare your answers to see if anything changed. So no pressure. This was your last day on earth. And I know you're incredibly close with your family and you love yeah. them dearly. This is your last day on earth and you couldn't pass on any book. You couldn't pass on anything other than this conversation. What would you make sure to speak to the ones that you love the most in that last conversation? I would share, don't ever be convicted guilty of giving up on yourself, regardless of the odds. In my own family, I would say, when you fall down, pick yourself back up and keep making progress, continue moving forward and spend every minute that you can with the people that you love, because they can be taken from you in an instant. And you'll never look back and reflect and say, wow, I wish I would have spent less time. That is what I would impart. Be respectful, be kind, and be responsible. Any behavior that you demonstrate any day, any time of day can be directly attributed back to those three things, whether it's in a positive way or a not so positive way. Be respectful, be kind, be responsible. I love it, man. I think a lot of things get super clear when we think about our life, knowing that we have one of them and thinking about it till beginning to end. I think things start to come to the top that are really important. I think it's not only biblical, but I think there's some of the wisest people that we've learned from have been a walking example of legacy is more than just memories of you, but it's ultimately your legacy lives on and other people that you've inspired and, and had. And so thank you for being that for me. Thank you for being such an incredible leader. Thank you for having a business that are changing and, and giving back control to our brothers and sisters in Canada. Uh, man, I can't wait for the, the borders to, to be wide open so that we can not only be on stage together, but I can give you a, a big old hug. It's been too long. And again, I'm excited for what's to come. And one last plea, go over to andasset.ca, get your copy of the and asset. Someday, Jason and I will sign it for you. It's going to be worth something. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to overhype it and say it's going to be worth a ton of money, but it's going to be hopefully worth more than what you paid for it. How's that? <laughs> well, no, Caleb, thank you. Thanks to your listeners. It's great to be with you and virtual hugs just aren't the same. So much like you, I can't wait. And uh, we'll be uh, sharing stages together and sharing this great message with folks in North America. And so thank you again for having me. Incredibly grateful, very humbled. 
and look forward to an episode in the future. I'm always happy to be a part of your show and hopefully bring value to your listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.